That's why all the other hosts aren't on the show today. They were afraid to get on camera. Sorry, guys. I'm almost home. I'll be there. Just wait for me. Maybe like five minutes is what Josh said. So, <laughs> all right. oh, oh, I if didn't see it. Let if, me look. If you're wondering why we're late today, we're always late. But today, it's because of Josh. It's Josh's <laughs> fault today. Yeah, we can say Josh's that. Fault. Yep. Blame Josh. Yep. We are always late, man. It's just the way she goes. Hey, speaking of the devil, there it is. Bo found another excuse not to be on the show today. Yeah, he did. He he likes to do all that uh, all that dusty work right before the show so he can skip the show. Right, right, right. And get us to feel bad for him at the same time. So mm. it's almost like we know what we're doing. We don't, but I think oh we it off pretty well. We're really good at pretending. And you know what they say, fake it till you make it. Yeah, yeah you, you just never stop faking it, to be honest. Yep, Audacity's picking me up. I think I'll be ready. But you know what? You know what? I have a feeling about today because we're adding so much new stuff. I'm going to make sure to start my uh, save <laughs> file now. You know, EP361. Yeah. The podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 361.5. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, Matrix, Element, Element Matrix. We're going to have a conversation about this, Josh. Or post directly at mincast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Joe. Hello. Tony Hughes. Hi, guys. Uh, Josh. Hi. <laughs> and I think that's it. No, the, the, we have names. We have names in here. Anyway, we're recording on Sunday, May 16th, 2021. First up, in our intersection, we picked some of our favorite free, maybe, and open source software. And finally, the feedback and a first look. So I already mentioned it before. This episode, uh, this part of the episode is going to be called X to Joe. <laughs> so, Joe, X to go. Well, this whole section is about, um, what, open source projects that we like. It so, is. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I th thank you for mentioning that. that. I forgot to you know, mention that. Little ad advertisement there on what, what this actually all is. But yeah, we each picked um, an open source project or an open source application to just give a little overview on trying to bring some uh, attention to them so that, you know, maybe if you decide you want to go use it, you eventually decide to give a little bit of a donation because. If you want to keep these things open source and you want to keep the developers developing, well, you pay for what you want to keep. So uh, one, one question I had that um, I didn't ask to everybody because um, I had a thing in mind. And then right when I was putting it in, I was like, oh, so is this boss as in free and open source software or is it just open source software? Oh, I picked um, open source. So is x go is... Boss. Is it not? Yeah, what, it should um, be free and open source. Right. Yeah. I think so. I want to say that it is because uh, it's it's NX, but is NX boss? 
Anyway, it's at least open source, yeah. for sure. But it's definitely free to me. <laughs> free as in beer, it is. Mm. Free as in freedom, it may not be. Well, anyways, um, yeah, the project I picked is obviously X to go. So then, because, you know, that's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and I know I've talked about it before, but I really like uh, th this application. And I feel like these guys don't get enough love. Um, X2Go is an open source remote desktop software for Linux that uses a modified NX3 protocol. X2Go gives remote access to a Linux system's graphical user interface. It can also be used to access Windows systems through a proxy. And that's basically straight off the page. So off the Wikipedia page, which is right there on the screen right now. So, yeah. Hey, hey take a look at that. And one of the things I wanted to point out was... <laughs> The GNU GPLv2, which, if I'm not mistaken, does represent free and open source. Yeah. So cool. Very cool. Modified NX3 protocol. So, yeah, this this originally came from the No Machine guys. So NX was a, a protocol developed by No Machine, which... No Machine is still you around. Want, yeah, they are. If, if you if you want a slightly simpler setup than X2Go, No Machine is a good way to go. However... They um, they do uh, generate proprietary software and other things like that. You can buy No Machine and, and do licensing and all kinds of stuff. But X2Go is the free and open source counterpart to that same protocol. Yeah, and with X2Go, I install it on all my machines. It's one of the first things I install on a fresh OS. Um, the client and the server both. Well, if there's a screen, I'll, I'll install the client. But um, if there's not, I'll at least install the server. Um, I've used it in the past for thin clients to, um, uh, to make very low-power machines much more usable. Um, it's great for setting up headless machines much more simply, as well it allows me to control multiple machines from the same machine without worrying about the number of keyboards piling up. And yeah, that does get to be an issue. Also, I have used it to control machines that have very small screens or damaged screens, which makes things a whole lot easier you know, actually being able to see it on a much bigger screen. Um, the client can run on BSD or Linux or Windows. Not sure about Mac, but the server itself needs to be run on a Linux system. Now, there is a way to do it from a proxy with Windows, but I never have, and it's not something that ever really interests me. Um, I also use it to control and monitor my 3D printing machine by using uh, desktop sharing, which works a lot better than it did in the past. So um, previously, you were able to set it up to spin off a new desktop. Now it actually works to be able to pull up the desktop that's there and completely control it. Um, and I will say that being able to spin off multiple desktops from the same machine is also useful for multiple workflows so I can keep everything separated. And I do enjoy being able to pick up from where I left off whenever I move to a different machine just by reconnecting to the instance that I was just working from. So if I hang on one sec, did did this looks like it's running in Firefox? Can you run? An X to go remote connection from Firefox? Um, you know, I never have, but it sure looks like you can from what I'm seeing on the screen. Whoa, that's cool. So, I mean, I mean, you'd mentioned whether or not it supported different operating systems. If this is the way, well, that's client. Uh, this is that's the way. Client, client basically right. no, no, works exactly. on, on, on. Well, yeah, I haven't run it on a Mac before, so I don't know. But if it works from here, then yeah. If it works from a browser, then yeah, absolutely, it, it, it'll work yeah. on anything. Including yeah, that's your cool. cell phone. 
Right, yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, I imagine it supports everything. I was on the No Machine page a little while ago and everything was supported. Yeah. So if, if there's someone out there to write the wrapper for the X2Go protocol, then it, it it works. So the only the only real platform that I would suspect that it doesn't work on is iOS. Maybe. No Machine does work. So, you know, do you happen to know if the No Machine client will connect to a generic X2Go server. I don't know. I've always used the X2Go client, so... Right. Okay, cool. Well, it's just cool questions that we can get into a little bit later. on later. And now, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite uses for X2Go is, like, when I'm accessing... Well, when my brother still had his server... Um, when I'm accessing a server, I'll access it from the garage. I'll spin up a desktop. I'll do some work. I'll switch to the computer in the house, and I'll bring up my X2Go client, capture the um, session that I was working on in the garage, pull it up in the house, and I am right back where I left off. Um, now, I know that there, and if I lose my connection, like say I kick off a command or something, um, on the desktop and then something happens to my network, all of that's still going to be running on the server. Nothing gets dropped. So then when my connection comes back and I reconnect to the server, th- that stuff has been running in the background. So it, it's been doing its thing and I haven't lost any of my work. Now, I know that there are right. other ways to do that, like through SSH with uh, Mosh, but the graphical user interface for X2Go, it, it, being able to bring up that desktop, that I, I find that really helpful. Maybe not everybody will, but I like it. Um, they're an open source project, and it, it looks like they make their money from providing professional support and from donations. I, I like that model for making money. Provide the essentials for free, but charge for anything further if that's what's needed. You know, yep. make your money from the businesses, make your money from the people that are making money from this. So, yeah. So could you, so Joe, could you use this to support, say, a friend or a relative that you've set up a Absolutely. Linux machine um, with? All this is yeah. using is SSH. Well, okay, so so caveat there. You have to be able to walk your friend through opening up a port or something like that. You need a presence on their right. network if, to be if, able to connect. So it's it's not as easy as TeamViewer. Well, that's true. It's not as easy as TeamViewer. You do have to, you know, do some port forwarding on their server. But if you're going in and setting up their machine for them and you set up their router for them and you go in there, you set up the SSH port, you set up the forwarding, and there you go. As long as you can access their machine using SSH, you can use X to go to access their machine. You, you got all that, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, so if, you, if you've if you originally set up the PC and you've had access to their, like you say, to their network, you've, you've, you've already done that back-end mm-hmm. work. So as long as you know the passwords and everything, you can get into their machine and help them out if, if they get yeah. into trouble. And like I said, you can um, remote the desktop or you can spin off a new desktop if uh, you're not trying to see exactly what they're doing at the time. So, yes, you can definitely support uh, remote machines using this. Yeah. So if you can SSH into it, you can X to go into it as well. Um, yeah, so cool. Joe, I, I did do a little digging. Turns out it's supported. The client Mac OS 10.13 and higher is supported as well as on windows. Cool. And of course on Linux, the server, however, is only supported on Linux. Right. And I know that the, the, uh, wiki page said that with a proxy of some kind, it'll work on windows. So I'm assuming that means, 
like uh, what Windows subsystem for Linux or something like that. If you can get uh, that probably. running, you might be able to Actually, get X no, to Actually, no, that's go a good running. point. Yep, likely. Um, and then the, I mean, I don't know if you're trying to connect to windows. I mean, we have Remina that supports, uh, the RDP protocol. So, I mean, you could just do that. That might, uh, work for you. I don't even know. What does Mac do? do, do does Mac even have a remote protocol like built in? No clue. None whatsoever. Huh. I've never needed to remote into a Mac like that. So, huh. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that's team viewer, I guess. <laughs> well, this is going to be a short show. If you guys don't, you know, toss in some more questions there. Hey man, hey man, I've been I've been tossing I know, them in. I know, I know. Here's the real question. Here's the real question. Why do you have GUIs on your servers? <laughs> that is, that is a valid question. That, that is a valid point. And you know, uh, sometimes I ask myself the same question. Then it's like, well, because I want to. Yeah. Freedom. And you know, uh, I run a uh, <laughs> yeah, I run a mate uh, twenty oh four. By the way, uh, Tony, I know you're you're a big mate fan, and uh, I have I have sl- okay. So it was like between XFCE and, and Mate, right? And uh, the fact that it was super easy to get the Yaru theme with the with the green feel on Mate, uh, thanks Martin Wimpress for that. Uh, it just it it totally changed my outlook on on Mate. I've I think I've fallen in love with my my server that does have a GUI on it, but for a very specific purpose that requires a GUI. All of the other eight of my servers have no GUIs. So. <laughs> um, I have to run Firefox on that on that machine because I don't want to like download something and then put it in a shared spot and then move it over there or whatever. I just need it to. I'm going to download it straight there and then do some some network work on it or something like that. But um, yeah, the Yaru theme in Mate is fantastic. I love it so much. Yeah, if I if I use the GUI on any of my servers, it would it would be a XFCE just just for the stability of it. Yeah. And that, that that was my other thing. Um, so I have I have XF oh, actually I have XFCE and LXQT kicking around, not on right. like server servers, just machines that I tinker around with. And um, you know XFCE has gotten really good for well, that. But X2Go is also the reason that I install Mate on all of my my cinnamon based machines, just so that I have something oh, yeah. a little bit lighter weight. And if I do end up on a slow network connection, it's not going to affect me that badly or as badly as cinnamon would per se. And that's one good thing about X2Go. That's, that's my favorite thing about X2Go and the NX protocol in general is that it's almost to the performance of RDP. So one of the things that I think pretty much everybody has complained about at some point in time, if you remote it into a Linux box over VNC and you didn't have like an entire gigabit of bandwidth, um, you felt yeah. it. Like the images were chunky, like everything was pixelated. You couldn't even read it half the time. Um, you know, if you had a good connection, of course, it, it, it was way better. But if you were, you know, as Tony was saying, doing it over a remote network or something like that, there's all kinds of things that could get in your way. And that's when you really felt how bad VNC was about actually painting things onto your screen in a good way. Yeah, and uh, is really, really good also about that. setting up the uh, compression in the background. <laughs> Right. Now, I, exactly. I don't know if you still can, but I know that it was possible just to kick off specific applications with X2Go, much like with um, X11 forwarding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the compression is automatically there instead of having, you know, do that whole big thing where you type TAC capital C. But, right, um, right. It, it's all bundled together for you. So is there going to be a way Good to go for Wayland? Huh? <laughs> I, I hope so, so. too. That'll be nice. Uh, that, uh, you know, once they oh, set up 
the once they get all of the APIs figured out on all of the desktop environments, uh, really, here's the marker. The moment OBS can do screen sharing in Wayland properly, then everything is going to fall into place for everything else. I think um, there, there are enough people that are looking at Wayland and looking at OBS and wanting them to work together that the moment that works, it's just going to be a cascade of everything else now supports it. In and then everyone will forget about gaming and I'll be stuck on uh, X forever. <laughs> no, I don't no, think so. Yeah. I, I think, I think um, Pop! OS and groups like them are really going to put the focus on stuff like that. Pop! OS so. really but has they have a, a, a gaming slant. No, no, because uh, Ubuntu doesn't have Wayland, right, but Ubuntu right, 2104 right. does, and Pop! OS will be upgrading to that uh, true, soon. True. In June, I think is what they said. So I imagine Pop! OS will have, uh, they, they won't stop the Wayland support. They will integrate it, and they'll be one of the people on the front lines trying to make OBS work. Yeah, uh, all of these gaming companies have realized how much more difficult it is. it is going to be to pirate games if people can't get a hold of the code itself, which is... Why the uh, streaming market is probably going to explode, and, and so then yeah, it won't be as important to have X on your systems, and Wayland will be just fine. Don't mention that. I want my gaming computer. <laughs> yeah, man, I think Wayland's good. Wayland's not quite as good as X, as far as I'm concerned, uh, with gaming. But I mean, it's it's not that far off, and it's still, I mean. It's it's a it's an older protocol, but it's just now getting to the point where all of these distributions actually support it and ship it. Well, I mean, you you could have installed Wayland a long yeah, time Wayland's ago. Wayland's been around for like a it. decade. It just hasn't picked up yeah. any traction. But we're hitting the adoption in 2020, 2021. That's when Wayland really yeah, started to see the before. adoption. <laughs> yeah, but but it's true this time. I think and we're, we're actually watching force it happen. everybody to use Wayland and, and yeah, seventeen ten. So yeah, it was bad. Yeah, and, but but. <laughs> But 2104 is what? Wayland right. by default. But it works this time. So it's here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if nothing catastrophic happens, I mean, we're going to see it in, uh, in the LTS. So And X is always there 20... to go back to if you really need it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And it'll probably still be built in. You just got to jump through a hoop or two to make it happen. Yeah. No, actually, I mean, it's just log out, click the little cog, choose X11, log in. That, that, that's that that's be two it. hoops. Well, okay, I guess. But, I mean, that's how Fedora does it now. It is super-duper easy. If you care about X, then, I mean, it, it, yeah, a couple clicks, you got to take care of All right. So, um, uh, what is this, Tony? We've never talked about this piece of software on the show. I don't know whether we have, but uh, it's one that I use all the time. Uh, and everyone who's ever installed a Linux uh, distro that's not KDE-based uh, has Ugh. probably used it as well because. Uh, it's GNOME or GPARTY. Let me tell you something. It's uh, even on KDE-based distributions, I oh, install yeah, I it anyway. use it. That's the first thing I install. It's, I hate the KDE yeah, the, partitioner. The K-parted or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, KDE partitioner. That one, look, don't get me wrong. It does what it, it does what it's supposed to do, but it's got some other features like um, auto-mounting stuff. I find it clunky. Yeah, the, la the last time I tried to auto-mount something from it, which GPARTED can't do, by the way, I don't think. Um, but, I mean, the last time I tried to auto-mount in the KDE partition manager, it didn't work. Look, so. Discs is easy to use. Yeah. It's super Discs easy is to fantastic. use, but it definitely doesn't have the functionality of Gparted. So, yeah, it's probably fifth or sixth on my list on a new install to install Gparted. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's usually one of yeah. the first I put well, on. it has to come after <laughs> X to go server on X to go client. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I was really surprised. I was thinking about what to do for this section of the show, and I thought, well, G parted, but I was expecting it because it's part of the known project that it was going to be a massive team behind it, but it isn't. If you go, if you go to their uh, wiki, then uh, it, there's only about five or six people listed as part of the development team, and most of them are doing different stuff. They're not actually developers. Oh wow! So. It sounds like, you know, it's a very small team keeping a very crucial piece of software going, which, like I say, most of us use. It's also an integral component of uh, most of the rescue discs yes. utilities that you buy out there, you know, system rescue, partied magic, you know, you you throw a name out there that people use a, a, a rescue or a partition disc. It's usually G parted, but, but what, what's what's really interesting about that, I think, is that it, it's it's the same situation like um, uh, what was it? TLS was in or SSL was in back in the day. Whenever you know there was a fatal flaw found in SSL, and so we had to move to TLS. But we found out that it was just one guy in his basement working on SSL, and that's what protected the entire world on the internet. Yeah, right. I mean, that, you know, to a lesser extent, that's what G part is about. It's it's underneath all of these other products that are doing you know, lots of money as far as commercialization goes. But, uh, I mean, are it... Well, Parted Magic now is a paid-for... Right, and ISO. so is any of that money going to Departed, which it should be, but if it's not, that's that's not great. Because this is what you're basing mm. everything off of. It's a free and open-source project. They should be getting a piece of that pie. Yeah. So it's not a very sexy uh, utility, but it is a very useful one. Yeah. I use it all the time for... You know, formatting and partitioning new SSDs and HDDs, uh, even just formatting a USB flash drive. You know, it's one of the go-to's. I know um, Joe's just mentioned disks, but sometimes that doesn't work for me. I have to go into yeah. GParty to get. Yeah, that there, to there's work. some extra things like dragging uh, partitions yeah. around. You can't really do that in disks, but you can in GParty. No, the first time you get an error in disks, yeah. that's the time to switch over to GParty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and like I say, most of, most of the uh, installers, when you come to the partitioning section of the install, then it's usually G-parted behind yeah. it. So you're using it all the time without realizing yeah. it. And like Joe said, you know, when you come to uh, doing a fresh install, uh, for some reason, Ubuntu, and obviously because Linux Mint's based on Ubuntu, it strips out Gparted after the after yeah. the install, uh, so you've got to reinstall it so that you've got it available, which is one of the first things I do. Yeah. But, and I feel like you, uh, know, if, you know my 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 initial thought on that was that oh they're ripping it out so that you don't actually blow your machine away, but well, but it turns out disks can do that too, yeah. so that that's not the reasoning. They they should I feel like they should just no, leave I it. Don't, in. I don't I don't see the reasoning behind removing it, but I'm definitely glad that they keep it on their live live disks. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. Super helpful if something bad happens to your computer to be able to pull up G parted and and put in a fix if required. So much. Oh yeah, I've done. I've so what done you're that telling me here is we need to fork Mint and call it G Mint and just keep that in. <laughs> yeah that's it and would that be a distribution yes as a callback to our last episode right i See, wasn't there here it but is. yes there it is. you know oh. <laughs> well, the oh the class system rescue and partition magic as uh you know distributions even yeah. though they're 
rescue oh, yeah. if you distribute so it, why, why? it's a distribution it's in the name man yeah you know honestly th- what's funny about that is um i'm i'm surprised we didn't get more hate on that uh just simply because we are on the opposite <laughs> side that everybody that's very vocal about it um they're not <laughs> they, they that's do not they know we're right uh i mean uh because I really feel like it's just you, you can't you, there there is no strict definition of what a distribution is so I mean you're defining it when you're when you're just ranting about it over, over there on the internet or something so, so I don't know we we we're much more Tony, open Tony I have a question too now now this is gnome partitioner now now what is the difference between this one and disks like I mean as far as the development goes like isn't isn't disks part of gnome too or is this am I wrong I I don't know. You'd have to refer to Joe G- about that. The G&G part, it refers this. to GTK, not GNOME. And uh, Disc oh, right. is a GNOME is, program. Is specifically yeah. Oh, GNOME. Okay. Yeah, it's GNOME disks versus GTK part. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Oh, right. But when you go to the website, it says GNOME Partition Manager. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, it sure does, That's why I was confused. It? I was like, so why do they have two yeah. projects? Yeah, I was. That do the same well, dang then. thing. Well, I don't know. Does does GNOME claim Gparted? I, I, that might be it. Huh. Because this is not, you know, gparted.gnome.org or whatever, right, like yeah. all the other apps are. Maybe I'm thinking KDE. That's what, I, I was know. just like, I've but, always been confused of that. I'm like, why? Why do they have two? GNOME disk utility. The thing about GNOME disk utility is, yeah, it can do simple formats and <clears throat> set up um, multiple partitions on a disk. Uh, what a lot of people use it for, what I use it for is setting up how disks work at startup. So it directly goes and um, updates yeah. the FS oh, right. tab for That's you. Super nice. That's super nice. That is one thing that, that yeah. Gparted, I think, needs uh, more than anything. But yeah, that is that is nice about disks. Mm-hmm. They should just merge it. Come on, man. Let's let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, for a new user, Gparted would probably be a little bit excessive. Yeah. And disks, not so much. Mm. All right. Well, what do we got next up? I think we've we've all professed our love for G parted. Uh, Josh, yours isn't really an application, no. but it is open source software and free yes. and open source software, right? Yes, I'm, I believe it's GPL three. I think I, I couldn't really find anything. Uh, let me let's let's go e- straight over to Wikipedia. Yeah. I should have went there, but I, I don't always trust because <laughs> because they they always have the answer, man. It's always always in here somewhere. <laughs> It's going to be in the first uh, line. Scroll all the way up to the oh, top. Oh, wow, it's not. It's just not referenced in here Scroll at all. Scroll all the way up to the top. No, it's not. Like, I'm using L-I-C-E-N-S-E. That's how you spell. Oh, wait. How do you, how do you spell license, Tony? C-E, right? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. I can't spell for <laughs> Tony. <Tuffy. laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not in here. So it's somewhere. Oh, but it ain't here. What? It supports React OS. Get out of here. That's cool. Here we go. ButterFS wiki.kernel. Uh, the uh, the ButterFS progs is, oh, is. GPL v2. So GPL and open for contribution from anyone. So there you go. I don't know which version, but it sounded like what did you yeah, say? Yeah, it two? says two for progs, which is I guess I don't know. That's that's another confusing thing with well, ButterFS. But the the progs are the software that you use right. to interact with the ButterFS right. file system to like you know scrub right. and all exactly. that. Exactly. But to yeah. explain it to somebody, it's it's very it's confusing to say the kernel has this and butterfest progs has this and yeah anyway right <laughs> so yeah um butterfest it's uh yeah it's it's literally the first thing i do when i install a distro i mean i i i if the distro doesn't support it 
and and support it as time shift needs it, which is another project I should have mentioned too. Um, I won't like set it up. Like I don't even want to use it. Like I would use Solus OS if they were to allow you to use ButterFS easily and you could use time shift with it. But um, yeah. So uh, yeah, ButterFS is a uh, file system and a volume manager. I've yeah talked to this to death <laughs> on the show before. <laughs> I will I will praise it up and down. Um, yeah, it can do uh, all the raids, raid 0, 1, 5, 6, and 10. Uh, 5 and 6 are still experimental technically, but I, I, th- I think they got most of it figured out. I mean, I don't know. I did have that issue <laughs> with uh, Tumbleweed, yeah. but uh, it, it, on their on their page, it looks like most of, th- most of the things are figured out with it. it. I think the right hole is the problem yet still. And that depends on how up to date their uh, their uh, documentation is too, which is usually pretty good. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you uh, if you set your disks up as RAID one, five, six, or ten, you can uh, check all the data on it against the uh, metadata, which the metadata basically tells tells the system what the data is supposed to be like, so it can check that against it. And then if there isn't if it isn't right, the data it'll grab a copy of it and um, fix the data that's messed up. Now, if you have if you have right. RAID zero set up, it won't fix it, but it can tell you if it's messed up, so you can uh, re, uh, store from backup uh, if you had one. Should have one. <laughs> um, the most the best thing that I love about ButterFS is the file system compression. That is great for SSDs and laptops and all that stuff because uh, you can you can use ZSTD and you can actually set it between one and fifteen and fifteen being the most compressed and one being the least and you can save uh, like I think I I set up to twenty percent on your um, file system like totally depending on file all the files but like with a fresh install when I put it up to fifteen. It saves about twenty percent of your uh, disk space versus just installing it with nothing, which is really nice mm. uh, for SSDs to keep the writes down on them. Um, pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. It basically, it'll uh, also do pretty much everything in its power to save your data so that it doesn't like if the disk is failing, it will automatically go into a read-only mode so that you you can't write anymore and you can't write messed up data to the disk and and just continuously uh, uh break it even more so uh, at least then you can get right. your data off off of the disk that you have or the ssd or whatever you have to use a third no it's not a third party program but they're they're another program you have to install uh the one i use is uh dduper which um supports everything that butterfs can do uh, the other ones they need to name it super yeah, deduper seriously, honestly they, they do because compared to the other ones it doesn't do nearly as much <laughs> yeah um and that is also gplv2 yeah. yep. so uh more free and open yep. source stuff and butterfs supports windows which is awesome because i actually have all my games installed on a separate ssd under butterfs and i can go into windows after installing a win butterfs and I can play all my games from that disc on Windows with no issues at all. Wow! I did uh, while I was looking for the license. I did come across that that driver, uh, and it, yeah, yeah, with yeah. ButterFS. It, it, it does it, so most cool. of the stuff that ButterFS can do on Linux, 
but uh, it, it's still under development, so it's not like feature parity yet. Right, right, right. But that's that's still awesome, though. The fact that I mean, Windows can handle uh, these Linux file systems, which that's that's coming in WSL right. two, but it's it's nice that it's already here as long as you don't mind doing the legwork. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With WSL, I think things are going to get a lot easier uh, <laughs> to go between. They already are easier to go between Linux and uh, and Windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that deduper is something I'm going to look into because all of my all of my important data is on ButterFS. It has not blown up for me yet. I can't remember how long it's been, but it's it's been quite a few months. Yeah, that uh, that I've been using ButterFS for that. Yep. And I do it for the scrubbing right. and you know the uh, some of the just those those nice features that are built into ButterFS. Uh, I think I'll probably go grab deduper and see yep. what happens. Uh, can you do a dry run with deduper? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't check that out. I. I yeah. I don't test anything. I just go for it. <laughs> oh, there is. There is. You just need to give it a dash dash okay, drive cool. dash run. That's nice. Fantastic. So that's what I'll do. Uh, if I can get it done in this next fortnight, then <laughs> I'll come back and report on that. Yeah. Um. I. I. I have been delving back into ZFS too. A little bit, but uh, I did it on Arch, which was stupid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I've been having a couple issues with that. But I will say one thing that ZFS definitely is better than ButterFS on, and that's the fact that when you read something from ZFS, it automatically checks the checksum, and if the data is wrong, it'll fix it before it writes it or reads it. Uh-huh. Uh, with ButterFS, it that's doesn't cool. do that unless you scrub it first. Um, I don't see why they couldn't add that eventually to it. Uh, ZFS is so much older than ButterFS, and ButterFS has so many of the features that ZFS has. I'm amazed that it's as far along as it is. So, um, but um, that's the only thing that would draw me to ZFS. There's a slew of other negatives as far as Linux goes. I mean, if you're on BSD, it's it's built in, but uh, ZFS that is. But yeah. Um, but I'm sticking to ButterFS, especially on root. Like that is the best thing because you can use time shift to uh, just create your snapshots and roll back, and it's really easy. Um, it's even easier than Snapper is on uh, OpenSUSE. But um, yeah, it's yeah ButterFS. I mean, I, I I will not use ext4 anymore. I will not or xfs. I just I just can't. I, I can't. I can't go through time shift and wait for it to parse the entire file system and then write all the data. <laughs> and if you did a lot of like video recording, it'll take forever on the second run and then the next run and next run if you do a lot of that kind of thing. Or if you install a game, for instance, it'll take forever to back up all that stuff. Not that I do, but if you were to. Stop stop buying slow storage, Josh. Hey, I, am, <laughs> I, I get all the stuff for free from people who have used it for 10 years. Uh. So... Okay, okay. <laughs> if I had the money, and I would the, have everything. The half-life after you get it is, you know, somewhere between another 10 years or 15 minutes. Exactly. Exactly why I <laughs> yeah, use ButterFS, because then I'll know immediately instead of writing a whole crap load of data that's garbage. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's that. So we... We were we were gonna have Bo on, uh, but apparently uh, he's fighting trees as well. But but before we remove that, um, Proton. So I wanted to just talk about it for a little bit because I don't think we'll come not not as much as we are now come fully back to this topic again. Um, but Proton, right? This is the uh, Steam compatibility layer that allows you to play games, right? I mean, it integrates things like Wine, 
uh, wine tricks, and um, I, I would assume, does it have like any kind of, huh? you know, actually, I don't know. Uh, it certainly does have wine and a lot of the things that go along with it. Yeah, I think it's just DXVK. Like an addition to wine. Yeah, it's literally just a yeah, tweaked wine, basically. They add some things right, to it and right. and make games, certain games work. Like, they specifically work on certain games for it. Exactly. So um, so it's Lutris with less steps, right. I think, yeah. is, it, uh, is really kind right. of the it's idea. It's particular version of Lutris. Right. Right. Built in. So, um so the the idea with this is that I wanted to I specifically wanted to call it out because it does look like we've we've hit a full free and open source software licensed roundup and this is free and open source software proton is um FSF approved those folks would not approve <laughs> anything that isn't free and open source and it's FSF approved so that's fantastic uh BSD3 cause license is what it is but the fact that it's so easy makes it feel like it shouldn't be free and open source software, right? I mean, yeah, Steam itself is not. But look, but mostly, usually, it's easy. Mostly, yeah. usually. And then there are if times the where right, it's, it's just easy. as, yeah, where it's right. just that's, as that's difficult thing, right? as any other setup for why. Yeah, as you saw from my wanderings earlier. <laughs> that was all with yeah, Proton. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the thing about that, though, is I think... Um, if you're willing to switch versions until you get the game to run like 4.18, 4.19, 5.0, whatever, then um, then you'll probably be fine. I mean, that's the vast majority of games that are not directly supported by some version of Proton. Um, I've I've gotten just about everything. I mean, Command and Conquer uh, Remastered Edition works, Path of Exile works. Uh, right. Well, Civ's native, but I've had Civ work under Proton Proton two. Sometimes you will have to go in and and set up um, some startup things to like prevent splash yep. screens from coming up because a lot of times those splash screens just break Linux because they're designed to only work in Windows and yep. it's part of the security. And because it's yeah, and because it's GPL, any work that to Steam do on it gets ported back into the wine. Yes. And if they want to take up any right. of that work, exactly. So that that's the beautiful thing about open source, man, is that it, it you, you can't stop the viral aspect of good changes. They're just going to be found everywhere that 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 would like those particular changes. So it's really good stuff. Um so ProtonDB is a website that will, uh, as we were talking about, you might have to tweak it, this or that, or use a specific version of Proton or do this or that. Uh, ProtonDB is a place that will um, basically aggregate how good any particular game works and if there are any kind of tweaks you need to add and what those tweaks yeah, are. Yeah, don't believe the so, rating at face value because uh, yeah, yeah, some of them have gold ratings and they just don't work unless you do this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, definitely yep. do a search outside of ProtonDB and see what other people are saying or what other yep. tweaks have to get put in for it to get that gold rating. Right. And uh, Path of Exile uh, used to be garbage. There, There is a garbage level yeah, on ProtonDB, <laughs> which means it either, yeah, there you go. It, it either doesn't work, like launch at all, or it'll, you know, as, as Josh was saying before, it'll like just black screen or whatever. Um, that is, yeah, Borked is the right, uh, is the right one there. Um, but as of now, Path of Exile supports, uh, Vulcan. So I think that's that, that one single change that Path of Exile had made flipped it from Bork to gold. So fantastic stuff. Anyway, so check out ProtonDB. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, Glorious Eggroll, 
is a custom kernel. If it's I'm a not custom mistaken. version of Proton that they speci- he specifically works on other games uh, for to get them working. Like there's a whole list of games that he right. gets working. Right, and and that's the deal, right? I mean, we we said Proton was open source, and that's it. That's why, uh, because you can end up with things like Glorious Egg Roll, which you know Steam and and the various folks that work with them on Proton don't have the time or the uh, the care to work on any game, this or that or whatever. But Mr. Thomas Kreider does and will, and he gives you Glorious Egg Roll to make. That Although he's a hard man to get so a hold that's, of. I haven't figured that out yet. I will. <laughs> we, we, want, we want to get him on the Listen, show get, uh, on a crowbar kernel pack, but like, yeah. I cannot figure out how to get a hold of him at all. Well, you know what? Just enjoy glorious egg roll, and if he if he responds one day, then uh, that'll that'll just be icing on the cake. Anyway, so proton boss, yeah. And one other mine's not nearly as exciting as uh, all of these other ones, and nearly as pervasive, and you know everybody's heard of it or whatever. Um, but Cobbert. This is a fork of a project that's been around for quite a while called CoreBird. And these two softwares, really, CoreBird is the only one around anymore. Um, it, it's just a Twitter client. But one of the things that I absolutely hate about Twitter is um, the junk that I don't want to see that I really dislike having to say, not relevant to me, not relevant to me, not relevant, blah, 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 blah. You don't get any of that. In Cobbard. It is the most pure Twitter experience that you will get. And I don't think it even gives back the uh the little how long you spend looking at a tweet or you know in what direction and what speed did you scroll past this thing or that thing. Like that telemetry stuff does not get back to Twitter as far as I understand. So if you have been averse to Twitter because of that, uh I mean, there's about a million reasons to not like Twitter, but um, I mean, if you're on the fence because of some of the privacy issues, this clears a little bit of that up. And it's GPLv3, which makes it free and open source software. So that is good as well. Um, really, that's that's really it. it it's uh, available as a flat pack. That's my favorite thing about it. So any distribution I'm on, easy peasy, just flat pack install Callbird. Uh, yes, yes. And that's it. That's really all there is to it. I think it's in most other repos as well, but um, it's just it's just pretty fantastic. You've got uh, a set of keys that you can use Control T to compose a tweet. Uh, the back, um, uh, what is it? Alt left to go back and Alt right to go forward. So there's a lot of just interesting things that you can do with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. is there an I Android version? Probably not, right? Uh of Cobbard, probably not, but I'm sure there's some kind of analog to it. Um, you know, actually, I don't know. This it's not. It's definitely in, not in the uh, Play Store. I tried looking there just for the heck of it. Oh right, okay. So uh, well, I'll just go with no. Probably then. not. Yeah, <laughs> I was just curious. But I mean, it, it's it's a nice it's a nice piece of software that makes things super easy, and you don't get bombarded with all of Twitter's crap. Uh, so that is just nice, very very nice. But yeah, mine mine was simple, simple and short. And nobody uses it, so uh, uh, no, no comments, really. <laughs> I know. I'm too old. I know. Oh, they yeah, yeah, okay. Off. Didn't you know? You No, they don't. They got Bruce Schneier mm. on there. What, what is he, like 900 years old? They just want everyone know. on there so they can collect all the data they want. Exactly, but you can use Carbird and at least only give them some, not all. But if you're less than 20, you don't use no, Twitter anyway. Or Instagram. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Anyway, well, that is our roundup. Unless we have any late additions, anybody want to throw anything in there before we close this up? All right, fine, fine. <laughs> well, that'll do it for our boss picks, and then we'll uh, we'll head down to vibration. Okay. There are three of you, and there are three emails, and I'm not going to read anything. So uh, y'all can y'all can fist fight uh, over who's going to get this first how one. Many are there? I think there's I, three. I think I think your count's wrong. One. Okay. Oh, oh, you snuck some two, stuff in there. Three. Oh wait, no, no, no. I got to delete the last one because you, you already put that one in. Ah, uh, see, Let's okay, sure see, your count's wrong too. Somebody was adding things at the same time. I was adding things. I assume because this stuff wasn't there. Not me. It was you. I did mine before. It was super you. No, no, it wasn't. Look, mine are all uh-huh, on top, and uh-huh, then yours are all uh-huh, behind. Uh-huh. 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 All right. So anyway, uh, I'm going to do the minimal amount of reading. I'll take, I'll take <laughs> the first right. one. I'll take the first one. So it says, Rich, in email, this is fan mail of sorts about Clem and the Mint team. After my previous laptop, a Chromeless Chromebook, became unusable due to a, sweltering, a swelling main battery. I went through the security process of finding something that would run Linux. Sad to say, searches for Linux Mint for specific model gave me a, gave me few results. I finally settled on a refurbished Lenovo T460s from a largest mail order company. It came decked out with 8 gig of RAM, 128 gig SSD for just under 440 bucks in my hands. Hey, I can almost afford this. <laughs> And it was a state-of-the-art business machine for four or five I, years I gotta ago. I got to say, I have the T450S, and yeah, it, it's fantastic. So, yeah, good choice, good choice. <laughs> I've, never, I've never had any of the Ts. You know, I've used Lenovo, but I've never had any of the, the T series. But yeah. So, the first order of business was going through the new Windows 10 install screen. Very big brother-ish, but I wanted to make sure everything worked before I've... Uh, Voided the refurb warranty. <laughs> also, the bias was set to buzz right through to the bit about fixing Windows. Yeah, it really was impossible for me to hit the F key at the proper nanosecond to get the bias setting. But but Windows allows you to change the setting in BIOS. Oh, Go by the figure. way, Rich. Yeah, the... I had oh. I had exactly that problem a few weeks ago on one of my uh, laptops that was installing some. I'd installed Windows on it, and then I couldn't get uh, Linux on it because it wouldn't let yeah. me in. The, if, I wish I'd have known about the way to change the if BIOS If it's available, the, um, the, the secret button for Lenovo is actually the enter key, which is different than everybody else. Yes, I think F1 works, F12 works maybe, but enter is the one that will get you the menu where you can just choose whatever you want to do in, uh, in BIOS or firmware. And you start clicking as soon as you hit that power button and just click, 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 oh, click, yeah. click, 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 click. Keep doing it. And my laptop, uh, if if my sound is not muted, the laptop screams mm-hmm. at you mm-hmm. with this really yep. loud beep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But Joe, uh, I think it was Joe mentioned that if you go into the Windows, you can boot yep. into rescue mode, and that will get you That's your screen back. If you do yeah. have the password. If you do have the password and you can get in, you can yeah. go through the, the Windows key and then find the startup options and do the advanced startup, and then that'll give you access to something else which lets you go into the BIOS. So anyway, he goes on to say, after that, everything was a breeze. Boot to Mint 20.1 Cinnamon from a USB. Note that everything seemed to work. Let it do the install. 
I chose to go with dual boot mostly because Zoom software for Linux runs six to 12 months behind yeah. Windows and Mac. And I occasionally want some of the newest Zoom features. Uh, the installer nicely let me pick how large each partition would be and then proceed to install everything. I mean, everything. <laughs> <laughs> there was no hunting for drivers after the install. Even goofy things like support for the for the dual main batteries and keyboard yep. backlight were ready to go immediately. Yep. I merely added Audacity Blender and VLC to get a machine tuned to my needs with an emergency backup copy of Windows just in case. So hurrah to Clem and company for their uh, expert tuning of the installer. I got the perfect mix of here's what we uh, intend to do, and you can change this if you wish. I'm jumping around with a big stupid grin on my face. P.S. Hi to the rest of the Mincast. Hi. That that came to uh, Mincast at Mincast.org, so I don't actually know who he sent it to and who the rest is, but we're all waving at you now. <laughs> it, it, it was directly yeah. to you, Leo. Hey. Uh, no, it was it meant to be. It, it was a, meant to be. Oh, maybe, maybe. All right. So, um, my, the the thing about the support is fantastic. Um, but there's a point that I want to make about really, really new hardware. Um, if you need kernel 5.8, uh, Linux Mint spins an entirely. I think it's like uh, Linux Mint Next or Linux Mint Advanced. I forget what they call it, but they spin another ISO up that has the newer kernel in it. So, if you need better hardware support for something that's a, a newerish on the side, because Let's face it, 2004 is old now. So uh, if you need the new kernel, uh, that'll be, uh, that's available. 5.11, I think, is what's in Ubuntu will probably be next up. I don't think it's available yet um, because the 5.11 kernel is not available in the software updater yet. So, yeah. Do you think that'll drop in 2020.2? Oh, you know what? That might actually be it. That, That may be what we're waiting on. I'm not sure. Well, usually the kernels are available before the dot releases. Um, really, the last time it was available, like just days after the uh, like twenty one, you know, the version of Ubuntu. Once that dropped, the kernel was available like a week later. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, there was one more other point that I wanted to make, and I forgot what it was. I'm good at that. Really good at that. Eh, anyway, it wasn't that important. Either way, thanks, Rich, for the email. All right. So, um, so calm. Who's taking this one? Uh, you know what? This is, is a this short one. Hard. I'll take it, and then I'll, I'll take the one All that right. I responded to later on as well. Um, cool. th- uh, this was a, a comment on Mintcast.org from uh, Com on a specific episode. I don't remember which one. doesn't matter. But um, he says, Linux Mint Cinnamon equals Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix. Linux Mint Mate equals Ubuntu Mate. Linux Mint... XFCE equals Zubuntu. You need to go for Debian-only LMDE in the future. Now, Leo, I I do see that you responded on this, and we'll get to that in a second. But first of all, this kind of bugs me a little bit because there are some major differences between stock Ubuntu and Linux Mint. And second of all, Linux Mint Cinnamon has been around a whole lot longer than Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix. I mean, we actually interviewed the guy on the show that, you know, wrote this. So the easiest thing to point to is snaps. And that's all I'm really going to say on that. So go ahead, Leo. Well, the software updater. Ubuntu Cinnamon doesn't have that. That's true, too. That's, 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 I mean, we're talking. There are lots and lots of differences. We could get into it all day. The point is that Linux Mint, 
originally was a flavor of Ubuntu, but it's been so long and it's forked so far away from it that it's not. Yeah. And I mean, you have Mint Backup. Ubuntu Cinnamon also does not come with, uh, what is it? Uh, what, Josh, you use it, the backup. Time shift. Yeah. Time shift. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I don't know, uh, but I'm, I'm in the same boat as Joe. There, there, there are huge differences between Linux Mint Cinnamon and Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix. And it seems like to me, Com is putting out there that you should use Ubuntu Cinnamon instead of Linux Mint Cinnamon. That's what that's, I mean, I, there's not a lot to go off of, but I think that's what he's getting at. And no, they're different. They're all of them are different enough that they do warrant being separate projects. They, I mean, they have separate staffs, you know, like separate entire yeah. developing teams. Yeah. If XFCE is going to make easily available all of the mint tools, then I might consider something me, like that. Let, let but, me just say this. If Linux Mint wasn't around, we wouldn't have Ubuntu Cinnamon Remix, period. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Um, I think the same. I, if, oh. I, if I remember correctly as well, the Cinnamon Remix of Ubuntu is just one, one yeah. person. Yeah. Joshua Pesek. Paysock. I think so. Mm-hmm. He, he yeah. might have picked up some staff, which would be absolutely so... hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, and, and they're not even they're not even a full flavor yet. I, I know they're working on it. I know no. they're going to get there one day, but they are not a full flavor yet. So that one's a little sketchy. The other two, you can, I mean, Mate and, and XFCE, I guess you have some ground there. But I mean, the, the, the tooling is just so different that I don't think so. I don't think they're directly relatable like that. Um, that's f- well, Martin Wimpress was one of the developers of Marte mm-hmm. with the Mint team. Right. He, he worked with the Mint team to develop Marte, didn't he, originally? Yep. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, and then Debian on LMDE. Now, that is something I, I'm i slightly more inclined to agree with. But, again, with the tooling. Yeah. I mean, Linux Mint's point is to have the Mint tooling on top of Debian. And... You don't have to go hunting to find that Debian, um, the Debian version that comes with all the firmware, the, the yeah. not super free and, and one. And to add to that, that version with all the firmware doesn't have all the firmware because I've had uh, my HP stream, my, my, my touchpad does not work unless I have LMDE. Then my touchpad works yeah. and it's fine. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, sometimes it's good to go back to the source, but this ain't one of those times, I don't think. Not, not in any of those cases. <laughs> any, I don't think it really matters anyway, no. because you know, if you want to use one of the Ubuntu flavors to get what we we use in Mint, go and use yeah. one yeah, of the of Ubuntu flavors. Linux Linux Mint is still using a lot of the uh, Ubuntu uh, repos, but they've got their own repos for the stuff that isn't available. And the back end of Ubuntu. Linux Mint so, is still Ubuntu, so right. So you're you're not you're not yeah. falling very far from the tree in the first place, and then it's just got the nice mint stuff on top of that, and I think that's what makes it so it's fantastic. Like and if it boils down to it, we've got to remember Ubuntu pull Debian right. to create yeah, exactly. Ubuntu. So instead so. of using yeah. you know uh, XFC or instead of using Ubuntu, you should use Debian and just install XFCE. <laughs> they don't even yeah. have they don't even yeah. have uh, four point sixteen on uh, XFCE. So, <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I think oh, so yeah, it is yeah. a mute yeah, point, I think so. really. The 
Uh, on the on the following episode, I believe this is the same person that added the uh, the link to UbuntuCinnamon.org. So we have the link there uh, too as well. And uh, I'll have to figure out which one it is, but um, you know, scroll back and you can find our interview with uh, Joshua Pesach, where he's just getting started with uh, developing Ubuntu Cinnamon. And I mean, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely fantastic that um, that he's taking yeah. Cinnamon and doing something fun with it. That's cool. And I hope I hope he gets um, full flavor status soon. Yeah, he was That'd working on that when we talked to him. So yep, I know, and it's tough. I mean, you got to you got to do a lot of work. So that takes time. I hope he does get uh, it. But maybe maybe in twenty two oh four he'll be full flavor status and can have an LTS out there. That'll be that'll be so cool. All right, next up is Jack. Anybody want to take it? Or are you going to give it to me? I'll do whatever, man. Anyway, uh, so Jack he says, "Why didn't I find this program years ago?" Fuzzy Finder is a tool to search through lists and then do something with whatever you find. The most obvious use is to search for files, then open, delete, copy, view, whatever. I hate fuzzy searches. They produce too many random results, but you can turn off the fuzziness. The web seems to be full of articles telling you how great Fuzzy Finder is. Here's one, and he links us to uh, linuxuprising.com from back in March. He says, funny, fuzzy, funny finder. Funny finder might be another fork that we need to have. But Fuzzy Finder uses find to search for files, but you can change that to something else, such as FD. Aside, the search experience is reminiscent of everything on Windows. If you use Windows, then you absolutely must have everything. It maintains a real-time index of disk disk files, so you can even ask it which files have changed in the last 10 minutes. It's a lovely program. Anyway, give Fuzzy Finder a spin. You won't be disappointed. Fuzzy Finder is at, and he lists the GitHub repo of June Gun. FZF. Um, yeah. Uh, Jack, is it your fault that I, that I love FD now? I don't remember who told us to look, uh, look into FD and I love FD. So if that's your fault, double thanks because uh, Fuzzy Finder is super cool. I don't necessarily mind the fuzzy searching. Um, I, I would mind it a lot if I'm fuzzy searching for something to delete. Uh, I'll, I'll accidentally delete something super important. So I, I totally get you there. But I do like the fuzzy search when I can't remember exactly what it is that I'm looking for, name-wise. So if I can get kind of close, fuzzy search might might you know get me get me 100 of the way there. So uh, I'm I'm interested in this. I'm gonna look into this um, over probably the next fortnight and hopefully come back and let it be a check this out so we can dive into it a little further with uh, some of my thoughts and all of that kind of fun stuff. So um, y'all interested in this? Y'all thinking about this? Maybe I have to do yeah, a little I mean, more research you, you into live in it because the- um, I, I really. I, I, the reason I was going to ha- take that one, but I, I don't understand what, what is this fuzzy finder, fuzzy search? What is that? Like, I, I know I'm probably stupid. I probably should know this, but <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like, uh, so think about man. it, right? So when you open up windows and you type in browser okay. and windows is, or actually any, and even Linux distributions, when it comes up with Firefox, oh, like okay. Firefox I got is, it. is not I spelled like okay. browser. Yeah. So it's, it's using context right. and just, giving it a wider berth Got it. to, or I mean, yeah, to, to kind of find what you want. So yeah. Um, but it sounds like you can turn that on or off. So that's really cool. So if you're just doing searching by itself, I mean, find works, but FD is just a more user-friendly version of find. And that is really what, what, um, you know, made me like it. And then this fuzzy finder is in, a, in addition to that, where you can then uh, do stuff with it. The, but again, more user-friendly because even FD can do stuff with whatever you find. But again, the, the syntax really gets to where it's, it, it gets to mind boggling pretty quick, but 
Anyway, so I'll check out uh, Fuzzy Finder because I'm I, I, t- I like to live in the terminal quite a bit. Okay, this next one was uh, sent directly to me, so I've removed the last name in case the person didn't want it included. Um, this is from David. Hey, I've been trying to catch up on podcasts, and I heard you talking about uh, fixing ports. At least I think it was you. I was mowing. Um, yes. <laughs> Josh, is this it you? Was, it, it was I was, was going to read this one because I was like, I was like, I totally understand what you're talking about when it comes to the mowing thing. Like even with my noise canceling yep. headphones and all that, still sometimes I have to replay some spots. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, but if you look up Northridge Fix on YouTube, he is amazing on teaching, but uh, has a box of ports. Just match your size and legs and go. Here it is. Also, his power injectors for finding shorts on boards. I enjoy watching his shows. Thought I would share to save you time looking for parts. Here it is. And then, yeah, he sent me a link, and I've included that in the show notes. Um, So that way, everybody else can have it, too. Um, Well worth the money and low-temp solder for removing chips. Has videos on his channel. uh, Shows how to use it. And then I responded, yeah, I have been watching all of his videos. Northridge Fix is like at the top of my list these days. I only found him like a couple of months ago and it was like right before this guy emailed. Well, a couple of months ago. And then this guy emailed, um, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And that guy is awesome. Northridge Fix is actually really good. And um, I thanked him for the parts link as well, although... I don't think I am going to order that parts. I mean, it looks really cool and it looks like it would be insanely useful, but um, it's 500 charging port connectors box for phones, tablets, and other electronics repair for $190. So it, it probably, bad. and we'll, we'll have a link. Yeah. I, it, the link is in the show notes. Um, it's probably a good deal, yep. but I don't think I do enough to justify spending $190 on it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, next up uh, is Brad Alexander. He says, I agree with you about the personal questions that websites ask you. Make stuff up. And and so this is talking about like um, your password recovery questions, things like that. Yeah. Make stuff up. Um, he says he uses Bitwarden as a password manager and it has a notes section and KeePass and KeePass XC has a notes section as well. I enter the question and my made-up answer in that section. That way, they're right together and where I need them. Yep. So, yes, this was, I can't remember which episode this was on, but we were talking about, you know, just security posture. and. I think yeah. it was the security and that was episode one. where everything was security. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, security in every section. Um, but, yeah, we, we had made the recommendation that, you know, those security questions should not be real because you can find... A lot of that information, right? Like, what was your first dog's name? What street did you grow up on? What uh, what elementary school did you go to or grade school or whatever? What schools did you go to? Where did you graduate from? What was your first or car? Stuff that just All comes these up questions, in casual conversation. If you have even thought about having a Facebook anything, you probably have this information out on the internet, so it's probably not a good idea to be truthful. And so that's, that's what really went into this. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Brad agrees with us uh, on that one because... Really, don't. Just make it up and write it down and put that in a secure spot. And as Brad said, uh, Bitwarden is a fantastic place for that. KeePass uh, XC is a fantastic place for that. So, yeah, do that. Do exactly that. All right, well, that's it for feedback. So check this out. 
Well, nobody else put anything in here. So I'm excited for. I'm excited for. Okay, you know what? Before I even get into it, uh, do you guys like the current VLC interface? It's all right. It's never bothered it's, me. It's not like it's not it's like not that bad. it's not like XFCE bad. <laughs> no. I feel like it, it it is always had that original Windows Media Player vibe to it. The original. And that came bit, out yeah. in like Windows 98 you mean the or one 95 that I just had or to something. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But exactly. Leo, if it that, ain't exactly. broke, don't fix it. Well, VLC has decided to not take that advice because they are fixing it. And the new interface, go check this out. This interface is kind of nice. So long gone are the days of the the playlist being a separate part of VLC. So when you click it, it it like opens up a new section of window and then there's your playlist. And same with the controls. Um, they are now overlays on top of your video. So VLC is just getting a facelift for 2020, I guess. I don't know. These are these a lot of these design cues came out in 2010. 2000, so, you know, more like Web 2.5 instead of Web 2.0. So Windows um, 7 it's instead not very, of Windows 95. <laughs> you know, Windows 7 had a lot of, like, um, some of those old things, right? Like where it was, they, they had that, they had that like, glass frost blur stuff going on here. Uh, so, okay, so it would be a little later than that. So, okay, I'll go with 2010. It's got some 2010 design cues in there, and I think, um, I think it looks good. I honestly... I'm going to probably end up using VLC a whole lot more. So I'm, I'm curious Wait, to see when this VLC actually drops. Well, honestly, you know, you know when I use VLC? When I double-click on the icon and VLC comes up. That's, that's when I use VLC. Otherwise, if it's celluloid that pops up, I don't care. If it's uh, Rhythmbox that pops up, I mostly don't care. But Rhythmbox is annoying because it tries to index yeah. everything. But, like, I don't, I don't really pay attention to it. But I might, after 4.0 comes out go into the uh, the preferred applications and go VLC, 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 VLC. And you so don't it's, like just, the it's just VLC all no over matter the place? what. Come on. Okay, that's, that's annoying. That is annoying. Um, you know, well, my favorite at least way... it's not llamas. To de- but uh, honestly, that, that cool little lightning bolt, that was, that was cooler than a traffic cone. But let me tell you something. On Windows, it's better, but not with VLC because it's still traffic cones. Foobar. Foobar 2000, as, as far as audio goes, has the best uh, icons for everything because the icon is a different color for every different format. So FLAC and MP3 and AUG, they're all different colors. And M4A, uh, all of those are different colors. And in the icon, it tells you the format. So even if you don't understand what color is what, it literally says M4A on it so you know exactly what it is. I wish that we could have that kind of specificity on the icons in Linux, that is that is one of my one of my wishes. If we if we do another wish list, remind me because that needs to be on it. I think the icon should be this uh, scary looking sheep thing that they have on the page here. Oh my god! Right oh, <laughs> now, I miss, this thing. Now I miss Winamp. <laughs> the mad the mad sheep. Yeah, it really whips. Really, really whips it. <laughs> anyway, um, that's it for the for the check this out again. As far as me being forgetful, I could have sworn there was something else I wanted to put on here, and I forgot it. But in in the case I do remember it over the next two weeks, I'll add it to the next check this out. All right, now for the bombshell. We have an announcement, not our normal announcement. 
This is uh, this is an announcement that that might actually affect you in some small way, though. If you don't actually dig down, it won't affect you at all. So we're putting Og to sleep forever. Th- this only affects a small subset of people, but if if it actually affects a, a large amount of those people, I imagine we'll be getting some emails. Here's the deal: we have feeds, separate feeds, on Mintcast.org. We have three, well, we have four, but three that people actually subscribe to. Um, the first one is podcast. That's the main feed. The downside to that feed is that it's double posted. So the MP3 shows up and the AUG shows up. So every time, uh, you know, if you subscribe to the podcast feed, every single time you get two updates, one for the MP3, one for the AUG. And I can totally get how that's annoying. Um, so actually, we, that, that is our, our lowest subscribed feed, probably because of that, to be honest. Anyway, then we have the MP3 feed, which is, as the name suggests, the MP3. And that's what most people subscribe to. We also have the AUG feed, and that is what fewer people subscribe to. And if you're on Spotify, that's just what you get. Uh, actually, the podcast feed's on, on Spotify too. But again, lower listenership, probably because of the double posting. That's my guess. I don't know. No one has sent us an email saying, stop doing that. Um, so, and then we also have the news feed, uh, which is actually just the first episode, not the 0.5 episode, which reminds me we should probably have like an innards tag or something. So you could, if you just want the, uh, it doesn't matter. Well, what I'm getting at is there's a lot of work on the back end to produce an AUG. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, the person that is immediately thinking, oh, but just in Audacity, all you got to do is export another AUG and it's no different. That's not what I'm talking about. In, in, in WordPress, there is a lot of work to double post that stuff. Um, when you're tagging the file, God forbid you forget one thing that you added to the MP3 that doesn't get added to the AUG or back and, you know, vice versa, whatever. I mean, th- there's a lot of little tiny checkboxes that need to happen. And to be honest, we don't need to do that. We, we don't, we, I don't know, we, we can do that because AUG is totally an open standard and, you know, free and open source and blah, blah, blah and all that. But MP3 is no longer patent encumbered. There's no reason that you can't go grab an MP3 and feel good about that. Maybe history of MP3. But my point is that up until 2017, the Wikimedia Foundation, the guys behind Wikipedia and all these other things, took a hard line stance on MP3. Because it was patent encumbered, they refused to use it. Instead, they used AUG or Opus or OGM or all of these other open standard formats. But in 2017, as the MP3 patents expired, Wikimedia decided, yeah, sure, let's integrate MP3. There's no longer any reason to not integrate MP3 other than just being um, you know, someone that doesn't want to take on things that are now available to you, right? So Wikimedia took it on. It took Mintcast four years to hop on that train. <laughs> but here we are. And, um, you know, that's, that's the deal. I think we're just going to drop the AUG because it's less work for us on the back end of publishing this show. Um, and because there's no reason to, to ignore that MP3 is, you know, the most widely available and widely distributed and widely used format in the entire world. That's just, I, I think that's just what it boils down to. And so I took everybody's temperature, right? I mean, it seemed like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, everybody on the show was pretty indifferent to it. Well, I, I was a big fan of getting rid of OGG, but um, that's mostly because you can't speed it up. Once you start speeding it up, it gets extremely right. choppy. And MP3 works fine to yep. speed up to 4X or 5X. Yep. And that is because of the variable bitrate that you cannot turn off in AUG 
And so there was actually, Londoner had mentioned it to me a, a while back. Um, when we started posting the show uh, using a, a new plugin for WordPress, the times got wrong. So MP3 was correct, of course, but AUG was always off by, you know, a couple of minutes on the, on the length. And that means that timestamps don't work properly. And I didn't know this, Joe, until you just said it, but apparently uh, speeding things up breaks as well. So AUG is absolutely, at least for podcasting in podcasting apps, an inferior uh, file format. MP3 is the de facto standard, so we're just embracing that, I think, is really where that kind of blows, uh, blows over. Now, I put this out on uh, Twitter. I put it out on Telegram. put it out on Discord. I forgot to do it on Matrix. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, wait. Maybe I did. I don't remember. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I did. Telegram and okay. Matrix anyway. are both connected, uh, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. So, you know, and in the, in the, general, the general gist was, what? That, that was it. Like, oh, there was an AUG feed? And if you were subscribed to the AUG feed, it was purely by accident. We had one person say that they actually had some kind of aversion to MP3, but after I asked him about it, you know, I, I never got anything back on it. So there it is. We're moving to MP3 only, but for you, all of this, all of this chatter, uh, here's, here's what actually happens. Nothing. You don't do anything. If you subscribe to the AUG feed, just stay subscribed. You're just going to get an MP3 now. So we're kind of lying to you, but, but I'm telling you now, so I'm being upfront about the lie. So it's kind of not a lie. Maybe it's just a fib now. <laughs> I don't know, but stay subscribed to the AUG feed. You're just going to get an MP3 now uh, instead of the AUG. Uh, if you're subscribed to podcast, rejoice. There won't be double posting anymore. You'll just get the one, the main one, the only one. And if you're subscribed to MP3, well, absolutely nothing changes for you because, well, that's, that really quite literally is staying the same. So that's it. That's it. We're dropping AUG in favor of MP3 because it's patent unencumbered now. R.I.P. Mm, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, let me see. Microsoft Player 3. It isn't, though. It was, uh, well, I don't know. Microsoft had the, uh, the patents um, baked into Windows. But, I mean, even before 2017, Linux could have it. I mean, Ubuntu has had that uh, add all the codecs checkbox for a long, long time. Um, you could still find it in Debian, if I'm not mistaken. You just had to go and manually do it. There wasn't a checkbox to, to check. And by, by the way, this is a, a comment from Larry in, in YouTube. So this is why I'm still talking about it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, MP3 it is, though. That's the way we're going. If you, uh, if you have a comment on that, uh, do share that with us. Anyway, so to our normal announcement, it is our next episode will be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time on May 30th, 2021. And we're doing this video thing. Uh, that was the other announcement. I totally forgot about that. But um, we're doing a video thing. So if you don't join us on YouTube and you've always wondered probably what we look like, I don't know, maybe, uh, or just how animated I get, that's a lot. There's a lot. You should see these hands. They, I mean, they're, they're all over the place the whole entire time. Uh, that is now and forever uh, stuck on YouTube. <laughs> so you can, you can go check that out there. Um, all of our phases are there. Uh, as well as our show notes. I've been um, sharing my show notes the entire time. So anybody on the YouTube feed has been uh, watching us scroll through that and check out the links and check out screenshots and things like that all throughout the show. So if you haven't, check us out on YouTube, uh, yada, yada, all that kind of stuff. Like, subscribe, hit the bell, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Is that, is that a thing? Do we still do that? Okay, we'll, we'll do that this time. 
Um, but yeah, so May 30th will be the next time you can catch us live. Otherwise, go check it out anytime between now and then. Uh, another, um, oh, wow, there are a ton of announcements this time. I, t- I forgot about all of these. Wow. Um, Moss is going to be on an extended hiatus for um, indefinite. We're not sure. Uh, Moss did say that he was planning on showing up for some episodes, though. Uh, I think he's still working out how many that's going to be, how often that's going to be, and all of that kind of stuff. But life gets in the way sometimes, and I think that's that's what's uh, what's happening right here. So you may not hear from Moss for a little while, though we'll still have him in the wrap-up. And when he comes by, you will get his opinion on stuff. As well, lastly, um, we have a Saturday show now. I don't know what we're going to call it. We, we called it Mint Night because it was going to be like uh, more on the PG-13 than on the PG side. Uh, but, and it was going to be at night. But Late night Mint cast. It, it was not. Yeah, it was going to be, uh, but it's not at night. So, Early so, morning Mint So that name, it, <laughs> right, because like, the, the title of it was Mint Night in the Day uh, uh, something here. Let me, let me, let me go through it real quick. Yeah, blame me for that because it doesn't work for me doing it midnight your time. <laughs> yeah, midnight or mint at night in the day. That, that was the title of it, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's um, it's interesting. So oh, we're gonna try and oh, play some games so, there and see what happens. See who we can all get. Yeah, involved. I don't know what we're gonna do. I mean, th- this is just gonna be the 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 stuff. It, it's mint cast unscripted is really what that is. That's really what it is because we already come together on Saturdays and hang out and talk about what's going to happen on the show and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and we're, we weren't going to put the show planning on there, but if there's, if there's people that actually want to hear that, maybe we'll consider it. But you know, after we're done with our planning, we just turn on the live stream and we just hang out and chat and whatever. Um, that, that's, that's really the idea. And it'll just be whoever shows up on Saturday will be on midnight. Or mint talk, or I don't know. I don't know what we're going to call it. Maybe, maybe it will stay midnight. I don't think unless it gets like super popular, we're going to make an RSS out of it or anything. And even if we did, it would be completely no. separate. Well, I mean, the the whole point of it is to share stuff with people, and so I think you know it, it should live on something like uh, YouTube or Odyssey or I don't know. We don't we don't do Odyssey, but we probably should because I don't know YouTube freeness and stuff. Or... Yeah, right, right. So I mean, we we should do that. Um, and I mean, I've been looking into it, but it's just so easy to just drop a YouTube key in there and just, and for only $5 a month on Patreon, you can get that exclusive content. (laughs) Oh boy. Our non-existent Patreon, huh? No, I'm telling you, we're just going to take it to OnlyFans. (laughs) There you go. So yeah, there's a Saturday show, same time, two o'clock, um, you know, whatever 2 PM us central time is in your time zone. That's when it is, but we'll tweet it out or whatever. So just follow us on some of the media and you'll, you'll get it uh, usually an hour before we go on or whatever. Uh, so come and hang out with us if you'd like. That is uh, the, last, the last one. Our first one was, was a pretty fun one. So we'll try and keep that energy up. Anyway, of course, get the show time, uh, the show time converted to your time zone. Click on the link in the show notes. That way you don't have to do math for yourself. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Joe, where can we get more of you? Well, you can catch me on a couple of my other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which you can get at tllts.org. I'm also on the Linux Lugcast, which you can catch at linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe, or you can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org. And I do respond to all of those emails, or at least put them on the show to discuss them. 
And Bo baited us this week. Uh, he said he was coming, and then he didn't come. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can get him at Crowbar Colonel Panic or Crowbar Colonel Panic at pm.me. And uh, Moss, again, on his hiatus, but you can uh, still hear him at Full Circle Weekly News. And of course, Distro Hoppers Digest, all of the other links for his stuff is going to be in the show notes. Uh, Tony Hughes. Yeah, you can get me on Twitter. I'm TonyH1212. Uh, I'm also on th at minkcast.org and distrohopperdigest at gmail.com. And Josh. Uh, you can find me or email me here at uh, joshontech at mintcast.org. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and most other social sites at, um, at joshontech. And you can also hear me and Bo on Crowbar Kernel Panic. Yes. And uh, we'll get Mike wrangled back in here. He was on the Saturday show. So if you're, if you're just missing Mike, you can go catch him on that. And, uh, of course, Mike at mintcast.org and Grouchy M on both Discord and Telegram. As for me, leochavez.org and at leochavez on Twitter, at leo at cic.im, on Mastodon, linuxuserspace.show, and of course, you can donate to me through the link in the show notes. Uh, before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing, Josh Lowe for all of his work on the website, and our newest renewal, yay! We don't have to worry about the website for like a whole year now, yay! Hobstar for our logo, and Londoner for our time sync. ByteMark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting all of our audio files. HPR for our backup Mumble room. And of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every single fortnight. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. Thanks, Clem. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Mint. Look, and, 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 Craig and Jerk are in here at the same time. <laughs> do they follow the same commands? Is that why? Yep, yep. You don't have to do, like, Jerk Join or anything like that. It works. I can hear me. I, I sounded awesome. Yeah, I can't argue with that. We should pipe some music in and get a takedown notice. <laughs> I'm all for this. No thanks. We'll get demonetized. Oh, wait. Oh, right. Wait, does that mean that Google takes their own ads off of this video, which is fantastic? No, they won't. Because... They won't. They'll leave their ads on, but we won't get any money from it. Oh, wait. That's right. All right. Since we got a couple minutes, I'll be back. Okay. I'm here. Damn it. <laughs> Silence right. is gold. Much better. better.